Well, good morning. I am certainly glad to be here today. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful, rainy, cool day here. It's a beautiful day to come to the house of the Lord and to learn a little bit about His Word. We're going to talk about one of the strangest characters in the Bible today. And uh, he's a fascinating guy and he has a really weird experience that we're going to talk about a little bit. Let me give you a little background on what's going on. When this happens, it's several hundred years before Jesus Christ and... Israel has come out of Egypt and they've come around and they're in this area right here. They fought against a nation called the Amorites and they just decimated the Amorites. I mean, they totally and thoroughly defeated the Amorites. About like the, uh, the Gulf War. Remember shock and awe? In a matter of just a few days, the fourth most powerful army in the world just threw up their hands and surrendered to the United States. It was a defeat just about like that. Amazing. They're traveling. They continue on and they come into this area right here, the area of Moab, and they camp right in that area right there. Now, if you're the king of Moab, that makes you a little bit nervous because there's millions of these people and they're pretty powerful and the Amorites have put the whoop on you every time you've had a fight and an argument and a problem. So the Amorites are tougher than the Moabites and Israel just destroyed the Amorites like they were nothing. So this guy, this king of the Amorite or of the Moabites gets really really nervous. Enter our main character of the story, a guy by the name of Balaam. Who was Balaam? Balaam's an interesting character. I was fascinated when I began to study this. I knew who Balaam was. I knew his story and all. But did you know that Balaam is mentioned almost three times as often in the Bible as Mary, the mother of Jesus? Almost three times more. Balaam's mentioned a lot in the Bible. Now, granted, quite a bit of it's in these these chapters right here, but he's mentioned all through the Bible. He's mentioned in the New Testament several times. Balaam is a character that God wants us to learn something from, I believe. Balaam was a guy who uh, was a false prophet of the day. Now, Mr. Dusty... Call him Mr. Dusty because that's what we've taught our kids to call him. Dusty preached on Balaam a while back, and I listened to his sermon in preparation for this, and he started out by saying Balaam was a false prophet. And as I read the story, that wasn't the sense I got to start with. And I thought, no, I don't think this guy was a false prophet. But the more I studied and the more I figured, the more I learned about it, the more I've decided, yes, he was a false prophet, but he was an extremely impressive false prophet. He wasn't your run-of-the-mill false prophet prophet. And we're going to learn several things about him. But one of the things I found interesting is in 1967, during an archaeological dig in Jordan, they dug up a building that had been destroyed by an earthquake. And as they began to set the walls back up or dig the pieces of the walls out, you know what they found? They found inscribed in the walls of this building things that prophecies that Balaam, this guy right here, had said. Now, you know, we don't just put 
things that I say on buildings. <laughs> I mean, somebody might quote me sometime, but nobody inscribes it on the walls of these public buildings. We do Abraham Lincoln, but we don't me. We don't you, probably. Oh, we've got some visitors here. Maybe you have stuff inscribed on walls, I don't know. But that's not true of most of us. This guy was a, a well-known, powerful man of the time. You know who this guy was? If you go back to a fellow named Terah in the Bible, Terah had three sons. They were Abraham, the one you know so much about, and his brother Nacor and his brother Haran. Abraham had a son named Isaac who had a son named Jacob who was the father of the nation of the Israelites. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob married a couple of women named Leah and Rachel and he, they had children and he had a big family. Haran had a son named Lot. Abraham basically adopted Lot after Haran dies, and he took Lot with him when God told him to go to Canaan. You remember the story about how Lot went down to Sodom and Gomorrah and took his family down there, and God rained down fire and brimstone, and He told them to leave, and Lot's wife looked back and turned to a pillar of stone. If you're familiar with the Bible much, you know those stories. He had a descendant named Moab, and the Moabites had a king named Balak. Now, Moab, that was that place on the map we talked about. That's where Israel, these people, are camped in these people's lands now. Now, here's where this story gets interesting to me. Balak had a descendant named Laban. Laban had two daughters that married this guy right there. Jacob. They were Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah had a brother whose name was Beor, and Beor had a son who was Balaam. So Balaam was the nephew of Jacob. Isn't that interesting? I had no idea that he had those close ties with the family of God. So here we find the Israelites on one side, the Moabites on the other, and Balak goes to get Balaam. And Balak talks to Balaam, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come and I want you to curse these people who've come into my land. Now God had told the Israelites, don't mess with Moab. They're descendants, as we said, of the relatives of Abraham. They're your relatives. When you go into their land, don't you mess with them. If you eat anything, you need to pay for it. If you even drink water, you need to pay for it, replace it. But Moab still doesn't trust them. I don't know that Moab even really knows that God's told them this. But Moab doesn't trust Israel, so they go and get this guy Balaam, and they say, Balaam, or the king sends some people to Balaam, says, I want you to come and I want you to curse these people who've come into our land so that when we fight against them, we can win and drive them out. Now, he called Balaam because Balaam was well recognized as being a man with spiritual power. He was a man that when he talked, people listened. He was a very impressive... The Bible calls him a soothsayer. He was a man who had beguiled many, many people. And he knew 
knew how to be very impressive. I want to look at some things we know about Him. These people come, they bring what the Bible calls the diviner's uh, purse or the amount of money that they were going to pay Him to curse these people. Okay, They bring their money with them and they come. And He says to them, He says, Lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. Now see, when I read this, they come and say, will you go curse Israel? And he says, will you wait here and let me go talk to God? And he does talk to God at night. That made me think, well, this guy's a prophet of God, right? Because he goes and he talks to God. As I've studied and understood, I think this guy was such a good false prophet. One of the things a false prophet's going to know, if he's beguiling people, he's going to know about your God. And he's going to know about your God. And he's going to know about your God. Because that's what He uses to beguile you. That's what He uses to trick you to think that He's talked to your God. You ever seen this TV show, the... I don't even know what it's called. Some woman from New York that claims to talk to dead people. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you know. Okay. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. That, that's the same kind of trickery. They learn things about the people in their audience, and then they use trickery to deceive them into thinking they're really talking to their dead relatives. This guy learned about all the different gods, and he knew he had a knowledge of the true God of Israel. And he had a knowledge from a lot of ways. One, he would learn about them. But number two, he's Laban's grandson. He's Jacob's nephew. This guy knew about God. So he goes to God and he says, they want me to curse your people. What should I do? God tells him, he says, don't you do it. Don't go with them. They're blessed. They're not cursed. They're my people. You don't do this. So... He goes back the next morning to all these fellows who've come and he said, you know, not going to do it. In fact, here's what he said. Though Balak were to give to me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I started this, that's the main thing I knew about Balaam. Well, that and the donkey talks to him. This quote is the kind of quote you would hang on the wall, isn't it? This is what you would inscribe on a wall somewhere. I won't go beyond the Word of the Lord to do more or less. I can't tell you through the years how many times I've used this in Bible studies with people. What a sentiment. I believe to some degree Balaam had a faith in God. And when I say he had a faith, he knew who God was. And he believed. God spoke to the guy. He prophesied in the name of God at times when it fit his purposes. In fact, notice here it says, And God said to Balaam, down in verse 12 of Numbers 22, God spoke to this fellow. So, he knew God. He had faith in God. God talked to him. But there's a little bit more that we know about this fella. Because the Scriptures also have this to say about Balaam in Joshua 13.22. They call him Balaam the son of Beor, the soothsayer. You know what a soothsayer is? It's a fraud. 
That's what a soothsayer is. A soothsayer is the lady that will read your palm and tell you what, what your future's going to be. That's a soothsayer. So this guy not only knows God and believes in God and hears from God sometimes... He's a fraud. Now that seems strange to me to start with. Why would God go talk to a false prophet? Why would God do that? Did God ever do that any other time? And then I got to think, yeah, you know, He did. He spoke to the witch of Endor, didn't He? God spoke to the people through Caiaphas, the high priest, the Jewish high priest who had Jesus put to death. God at times has spoken through false prophets. God at times has spoken through people that you and I wouldn't speak through if we were God, probably. You know what He does when He comes back to all the people? He goes and He talks to God. God says, no, they're blessed people. Don't curse them and don't go with them. He comes back the next morning and here's what He tells the guys. He says, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. You see, He only gave them part of the truth, didn't He? He says, you go back because God said I can't go with you. He didn't say, they're a blessed people. They're not going to be cursed. They shouldn't be cursed. You shouldn't be fighting against. He didn't tell them any of that. He said, God told me no. Are we ever that way? I know kids are that way sometimes. Somebody wants you to do something and you want to do it and you ask mom and dad and they say no and they give you reasons and you know their reasons are right. But you go, well, mom won't let me. (laughs) Throw mom under the bus instead of, no, you know what? That's not right. I'm not going to do that. He was a false prophet in part because he only gave a partial message But let me tell you something else about this guy. And this, I believe, is key. This guy's heart was not right with God. Even though he talked to God, even though he believed who God was, even though God spoke to him, these guys go back and tell Balak, Balaam won't come with us. So Balak gets more important princes to go this time. He, he sends the vice president of the United States for this visit. This, I mean, he gets more money and they come back and they said, Balaam, you name your price. Anything you want and he'll give it to you. Just come on. Now has God already told him no? Has He? Yes. God already said no. Do you think God's going to go, oh, well, if they're going to give you anything you want. (laughs) Do you think that really? So what's He tell the people? Here's what He says. Well, now therefore, please you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. (laughs) You see? Well, let me go ask Him again. Maybe He'll change His mind knows they're the people of God. He knows God's not going to curse them. But you know, anything I want... My wife and daughters win things on the radio. 
They win tickets to concerts and they win tickets to Six Flags. They're just good at that. They just can do that. And we've gotten to do a lot of stuff. We were talking about that the other day and I told, said, you know, when I first moved to Dallas, KVIL, a radio station here, used to give away good prizes. Like they gave away a new car every year for the rest of your life. Kind of good prizes. That's a good prize. Six Flags, eh, you know, but... A new car every that's that's pretty cool, right? Can you imagine being given a prize that you just name it, whatever you want, it's yours. Wow. That'd be hard to turn your heart away from, wouldn't it? That'd be tough. Balaam's heart was not given to God. He knew who God was. He'd talked to God. He knew the message of God. But his heart just wasn't given to God. You know, when somebody's heart isn't given to God, God knows that. You don't fool Him. Because God, the Scriptures say, every way of a man's right in his own eyes, but the Lord searches the heart. You see, God looks at your heart. He looks at my heart. He knows whether my heart's given to Him or not, whether I I love and seek to serve Him, or if it's something else. He knows that. And in fact, the Scriptures teach that at times, people whose hearts are not given to God, you know what God does? Sometimes He gives them the desires of their heart. Sometimes He does that. Look in Romans chapter 1. He says, therefore God also gave them up. It says, for this reason God gave them up. Ultimately, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Sometimes... If you just stiffen your neck against God and what you know is right, and the chances you have to do what's right, and you just don't enough, God gives you the desire of your heart. It's okay. You can have it. As a parent, those of you who've been parents, you understand that, don't you? I mean, we try really hard not to, but... At some point, the kids just keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. At some point, aren't you tempted at times to just go, okay, okay, fine, just have it. But let me tell you what's going to happen when you have it. Well, that's kind of what happened here with God and Balaam. God gives Balaam his desire. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men... Come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you, that you shall do. God says, okay, you want to go with these guys so bad. In the morning, they show back up, you go with them. But you only say what I'm going to tell you to say. Now, this is where the story gets really strange for us. It says, So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. Now that's a little odd. Because he goes to God and says, Hey, can I go? And God says, Okay, you can go. And then he goes and God gets mad because he went. Doesn't that seem a little strange to you? Doesn't that seem a little odd? Well, look. let's look and see what happens here in this story. He takes off and he's on his donkey. And he's riding along on this donkey. And all of a sudden his donkey, which was a good donkey veers out into the field and just off the path, just out into the field. Well, the donkey didn't normally do that. He normally went and he was mad and he whipped the donkey and he get back on the road, you know, and he gets him back on the road. 
And they're going along a little further, and all of a sudden the donkey, they've got something on the side of the road here, and the donkey just squishes over against that rock wall and smashes his foot against the wall. You ever get mad at an animal for doing something dumb? He was mad. You stupid donkey! Don't you know that hurt? Smashed his foot. And he beat that donkey, got it back on the trail. They're walking along a little further and they get to a place which it's very narrow and there's not room on either side. And all of a sudden, the donkey just sits down. Look at this. It says, Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. He got fiery mad. I mean, he was upset. And he's beating this donkey because he just sits down. Now, you know why the donkey was sitting down? Because God sent an angel, a destroyer angel, with a sword. And it was standing in the path and it was going to get Balaam. And the donkey saw it, so the donkey went out to protect his master. And then the angel went a little further and it was standing on the side of the road and the donkey pushed up against the other side to protect Balaam. And then it went and stood in a place where he couldn't go either way. He couldn't go to one side or the other. And so it just sits down and Balaam gets mad and he begins to beat the donkey. And all of a sudden, the donkey begins to talk. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? She said, What did I do to you? Why are you beating me? And you know what he says? He says, because you've abused me. He's got a hurting foot now. He says, you've abused me, and if I had a sword, I'd kill you right here. He didn't have a sword. But if he had one, he'd kill that donkey. And the donkey says to him, have I ever done this to you before? Have I ever not done exactly what you needed me to do before? And he says, no. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. The donkey could see the angel and Balaam couldn't. All of a sudden, here he's having this argument with the donkey. Now, that's weird to start with, to be having an argument with the donkey. He was so mad, it seems like he didn't even notice he's talking to a donkey. I don't know if it was because of his anger or maybe being this soothsayer, maybe strange things like that happened to him some. I don't know. I do know this. His eyes were opened and he realized he'd made a mistake. And God speaks to him and God says, Behold, I have come out against you, or come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The reason God did this is because his way was perverse. 
You know, I mentioned that it seems strange. Why would God tell him to, it was okay to go and then send an angel to kill him for going? Well, the reason is because, as I told you, Balaam's mentioned a lot in the Bible. It's not all just in these chapters. There's a lot of the story that's not filled in. You all remember Paul Harvey used to say, and the rest of the story is... Well, the rest of the story is this. You know why Balaam went with these guys? Balaam went with these guys because he wanted honor and money, not because God told him to. In fact, God started out by telling him no, but Balaam wouldn't quit. Balaam wanted honor and money. Well, now, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that. The New Testament in Jude, it says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. They've run greedily, greedily, in the air of Balaam for profit. You know why Balaam was going? You know, Balaam, remember what he said when God told him no? He said this to him. He said, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold. Why did he say full of silver and gold? Because that's what he's thinking about. (laughs) There's a bunch of silver and gold in there. He wants that money. He was a greedy man and he would sell his religious services to the highest bidder, whoever would pay him the most. That's what he was doing. He was selling his services. Notice it says in Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 2, they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, talking about the Moabites, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. They hired Balaam. You see, Balaam, when he agreed to go with those guys, didn't say, okay, the Lord has told me to go, but I'll only speak His words. No, he said, okay, I'll go. Hand it over. And they hired him. They paid him to go. Do you know how the Bible describes this man in the New Testament? Look at this description of him. He says, but these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil things, evil of things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of righteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's a pretty nasty description of a group of people, isn't it? And he says they were were just like Balaam. That's the way he sums that up. They were just like Balaam. Balaam was a wicked man. Now I know if you just catch Numbers chapter 22 and you read through Numbers 25, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on all that. But that's completely true. You know what? 
Not only did Balaam go and ask God, you know what the Bible says that Balaam did at night when he went and talked to God about cursing Israel and whether he should go or not? Listen to what the Bible says he, he said. The Bible in Deuteronomy 23.5 says this, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. But I would not listen to Balaam, he said. Therefore, he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. You see, the whole story is when Balaam went in at night to talk to God about Israel, Balaam didn't just ask God. Balaam pled with God, please curse these people. Let me go curse them. Balaam asked for permission. Balaam tried to persuade God to curse his blessed people. He didn't just go and say, let me see what God will tell me. You see, he was a wicked man. In fact, you know what? Five different times God hears from Balaam as Balaam tries to convince him to curse the people. Because see, there were the two times when the people came. Once he went with them and he got to where Israel was, the Bible says that, that Balak took him up on a mountain where he could look out and see Israel. And he says, okay, now curse him. And Balaam says, okay, well, uh, make all these sacrifices. And he did. And he stands up there and instead of cursing, he blesses them. He speaks the blessing of God because God puts it in his mouth and that's what he says. And he blesses the people. And so he and Balak talk and he goes, well, let's go to a different spot and look over on them from a different spot and maybe God will let us curse them from there. So they go to a different spot. And he stands up and God puts another blessing in his mouth. And Balak this time tells Balaam, he says, just hush! Don't say anything! Don't bless them and don't curse them! Just hush! They say, well, let's try one more time. So they go to a third spot and make all these sacrifices again. And He blesses them again. Five different times. Now as you're reading the story, put yourself in the place of Balak. You've given this guy a pretty good sum of money to come curse your enemies. You believe he's got the powers to do that. He shows up after negotiating real tough for lots of money, and he stands up and blesses your enemies instead of curses them. Are you a little bit upset? This guy's king. You know what he does? You know what this guy does to Balaam? Look at this. So Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place, and Balak went his way. I read that and I thought, he just lets him go? (laughs) Why would you just let the guy go? You know why he let him go? Because Balaam showed his true colors. I want you to look at what Scripture tells us. In Revelation, Jesus says to this church, He says, you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel 
to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. And these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord. You know what Balaam did? When God said, no, don't curse them, no, don't curse them, no, don't curse them, bless them, bless them, bless them. You know what Balaam did for that money? He told Balak, he says, okay, listen, it's obvious God's not going to let me curse them, but I'm going to tell you how to get them anyway. Here's what you do. You invite them to a festival, and you have idols, and you have whores, and you let your women go in among them, and you entice them to sin and when they turn against God and they sin against them against him he'll turn against them and then he'll curse them for their wickedness and that's what happened Balaam was an enemy of God he was a wicked man and lots and lots of people died you know how Balaam died When Israel finally fought against these people, you know how he died? Balaam Balaam died fighting on the side of the Moabites and the Midianites when they fought Israel. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed. Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. He died fighting against Israel. You know, this guy was a false prophet of the worst kind. Now, what are some lessons for you and I that we can draw out of this fascinating story? I've got a couple of things that I want to mention to you. Number one, you can't trick God. There are no loopholes. There are no technicalities. You can't trick God. You can trick me... You can trick your husband or your wife. You can trick other people, but you can't trick God. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You're not going to fool God. You're not going to trick Him. Oh, Lord, I did this for you and I did that. Yeah. And Balaam outwardly conformed. You know... The truth is, outward conformity is not enough. Outward conformity isn't sufficient for God. That's why the psalmist David said this, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. Balaam outwardly refused to curse the people of God, didn't he? Outwardly he blessed them. Outwardly he said, I won't go beyond the word of the Lord to do good or evil. But his heart, his heart was corrupt. And God requires truth in the inward parts. Psalmist David said this, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. 
You see, you can't fool God. You can't trick Him. The other message that I want to get for you and I out of this lesson is this. Sometimes you need to be a donkey. You know what I mean by that? You know what that donkey did? That donkey got in Balaam's way when Balaam was trying to disobey God. That donkey tried to keep Balaam from dying. Now here's the truth. All of us know somebody who's trying to commit spiritual suicide, don't we? We all know that. We know somebody who's headed down a path that's ultimately spiritual destruction. Get in their way. Just sit down in their way where they can't go around you. Take them out into a field, out of the way. Just get in their way. Don't just let them go. Now, the truth is the donkey got beat, didn't he? You may get beat. You may have, they may turn on you like Balaam turned on the donkey. But be the donkey. Get in somebody's way that's committing spiritual suicide, that's going to give up their soul. Do you know somebody that you love? Somebody that you care about that's not right with God? And that they're making choices that are taking them further and further away from serving God? Do you know somebody like that? Be the donkey and get in their way. Look what Scripture says. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. He also says this, On some have compassion making a distinction, but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Sometimes you've got to get in somebody's way. Sometimes you can't just be a friend and hope your influence will someday lead them to see that their choices are... Sometimes you just got to get in their way. I encourage you to think about people you know who are in danger of losing their souls and walking away from God. It's a fascinating story. It is, by the way, not the only time animals talked in the Bible. It happened in the Garden of Eden too. But I want to remind you, fool people, but you can't fool God. Outward conformity is not enough. And we need to do what Balaam's donkey did for him. I hope you've been encouraged. If there's any way the church can spiritually assist you, you need the prayers of the church, you've got something not right in your heart, and you've been outwardly conforming, but it's not good and it's not right, this is the time you can change that. You can be right. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you or baptize you into Christ, whatever the need of the day is, if you'll make that need known while we stand and sing.